Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals, one of the most watched and listened to podcasts dealing with addiction and recovery. I'm Randall Carlisle, my co-host, Nicole Slack. Welcome. Thank you. And a longtime friend, Abby. Can I use your last name? Sure, you can use my okay, last Abby name. Abby Minkler. Okay. <laughs> and I, the reason she is a longtime friend and the reason why I'm so looking forward to this podcast is we normally are looking at it through the eyes of somebody in recovery to provide hope to other people that recovery is possible. And what I think is super important is to look at addiction through the eyes of a loved one uh, who is not addicted, uh, and, and, and namely a parent, you know. And, and Abby is the mother of a, of a longtime heroin addict, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. And Odyssey House has, and I facilitate the group, has a family support group every Tuesday night. If you're watching or listening, you're invited to, all you got to do is is uh, get a hold of me and you can find me on the Odyssey House website and I will send you the link to the group. But you have been with the group for how many years now? Eight years. And you're still in recovery from your daughter. Correct. And your daughter is still in active <clears throat> addiction. Mm-hmm. What I find interesting, and, and this is... <laughs> I don't know how. I never ask you how your parents dealt with your severe alcoholism. They both passed away, so. Oh, so you didn't have to deal with it. My my mother hated it. My father passed away a long time ago. Uh, but you have dealt with it for so long. And maybe you can describe some of the frustrations and the ups and downs you've gone through. Because I've... I've watched you in these family groups talk about, uh, you know, I got, okay, you, you were, you, you didn't have many boundaries and you enabled the hell out of your daughter. I didn't have any boundaries. I didn't even know what a boundary was until I came to this group (coughs) eight years ago. And Mm -hmm. you discovered her and you, you, (laughs) you sound so innocent. You, you, you discovered her addiction. How you were, you saw stuff around the house or, um, Yeah, just her behavior had changed, um, and it was more than just lashing out. Just her behavior had changed a lot. Things missing in the house, aluminum foil, spoons, just things that I had no clue. What did you think when you found little things of aluminum foil in a spoon? Oh, no, I wouldn't find them. They would just disappear. Oh, okay. So, I mean... The only time I found aluminum foil was up in her room once, and it had the black stuff on it. And I learned later that that's from smoking the heroin, yeah. which they call chasing the dragon. So I don't know what they call it today, but back then that's what they called it. Probably is, the same. is there some slang term? To... There's lots of slang. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so you, so you discovered that your daughter is using heroin. What did you do? I cried a lot. I mean, when she finally admitted to me what was going on, um, 
you know, you feel, you feel so many different things like, oh my gosh, how could I have been so stupid? How did I not know this? You start reviewing your own behavior as a parent, wondering what the hell you did wrong. Um, so you go through guilt and a sense of panic, like, oh my gosh, she's going to die. Um, what do I do? So, yeah, I just went through this whole series of emotions. And um, I had a couple friends who were social workers. I talked to them. Um, yeah, then I found Odyssey. I just, my immediate reaction was to put her in a rehab, right? So back then, that's what. First of all, you're going about it wrong because you're taking charge of her recovery, right? But I didn't know that yeah. then. So all I knew is that's her mom, and I, I knew I had to do something. <clears throat> so um, we, I got her into to Odyssey. I remember talking to the people at the old admin building. and um, This asking, is a long time ago. This is eight years ago. Okay. Yeah. This is before... Odyssey is what it is now, okay. right? How long had she been in addiction before you took her in? Um, that was really, uh, that took a while to really truly establish because um, addicts are very secretive. So um, I really had no idea she would, I had a feeling it was around the time she was 15, but today she tells me she was more like, 10 or 11. Now, whether or not that's true, I don't know. So the answer to your question, I don't know. <laughs> a long time. Yeah. A long time. How old was she when you got her in Odyssey? Uh, I'd say her early 20s, early to mid-20s, mid-20s. So eight years <clears throat> yeah. Did she go kicking and screaming? Or did she didn't want to go, but I don't think she really knew either. I mean, I don't think she knew what to expect either okay. in trying to quit these drugs. Um she fought <clears throat> she fought it pretty hard. You know, if I really think back, she fought pretty hard. Um it really came out after she got married. Um, and she was 21 and then she had my granddaughter. <clears throat> I'm trying to think of the exact time. I don't know the exact it's time, but it was, through all that. it is, yeah. especially since we've been through COVID and all the other things that we've gone through. Right. Yeah. So time is just kind of, it's irrelevant. So the first time around she left Odyssey. First time around. Yes. She left Odyssey. Okay. Um, tried a couple other places. Um, nothing worked. She, she never completed a program. She would leave. Um, and it was, she wasn't really taking responsibility for her own actions. It was everybody else's fault, which you hear a lot. Oh, you know, sure. we hear this from all the other parents. It's Odyssey's right? fault. It's First Step's fault. It's this person in the program's fault. Right. You know. Well, and there, you know, there could, the thing is, we're not there, so we can't see it. And we're not privy to any of the information about our addicts because they're adults, right? And there's HIPAA. 
So that was always a frustrating thing Unless for me. they give you permission, yes. Right. Um, which, more times than not, they would not. Okay. Um, so, anyway, when we first checked into Odyssey is when I reached out to your admin staff and asked if there was a family support group. Because that was not a widely known thing either. No. At the time. And I was handed a flyer and called Albert and... There we go. And the rest is history. The, the rest is kind of history, but I can tell you the first eight months in that group, all I did was cry, and I was rejecting what Albert was telling me, that it's not your fault. You know, I kept being told, it's not your fault. You know, addiction, it's in the brain, all these things going on, and I didn't believe that. And talking mm-hmm. about boundaries and enabling and stuff oh, yeah. like that. And that's something we discuss frequently in the family support group. And and it sounds like you were a pretty bad enabler or, or oh. for setting boundaries. I mean, yes. <laughs> she shared a story about, did, I, I don't know, were you ever aware of what they called the block, which is where it's down on Rio Grande, where the road home was, and that was the only homeless shelter in town. And it was a den of iniquity. I mean, there were wild drug sales and prostitution and crime just going on, and police just sort of turned their back on it. And that's where your daughter ended up. Well, she. so the story is, and it was wall-to-wall, people, not yeah. just sporadic, okay? It's like an entire community I mean, we there. could go down with a TV camera. It was so bad when I was working in TV news, if we wanted to do any story on addiction or anything, and people would openly offer to sell us with the camera rolling, sell us any kind of drug we wanted. We'd get pictures of addicts nodding off on the sidewalk with needles in their arms. It would People having sex right out in the open in the middle of the day. It was... And, and police really couldn't control it. Is this the area that they, like, tore down? Yeah. With, like, and it was the only homeless shelter. And it was right down where the Wiegand Center is and the St. Vincent de Paul Dining Hall. It was right across the street from it. And that whole area was just horrible. Yeah. And so she had, she had agreed. She had told me, Mom, again, this was just another one of the rehab times, Mom, I'm so tired. I've got to. I've got to quit. So I took her over to the VOA, which is a detox facility, as you yeah. both know, and um, got her in there. Um, and that okay. So there's an there's a a little yard where the people can go out and they smoke or whatever. Right. And through the fencing, she said, "Mom, my suitcase is still down at the block. It has all my stuff in it." So it was a Saturday around noon, sun was out. I thought, okay, I'll I'll go down there and find it for you. That was the dumbest thing I think I've ever done. I mean, first off, the people down there weren't sure who I was, if I was with the police or, you know, but I just kept asking people and talking to people and people would come up to me and some of these young girls would come up and I'd look at them and go, you know, I noticed how pretty they were and young and I knew that they were Early in their addiction, I just, you know, I was hugging them. It was just, like, ridiculous. <laughs> but I had people, you know, that were very suspicious of me down there, too. Sure. They're but, suspicious of everyone down yeah. there. Yeah. So that was dumb. And then I really got ripped into a group the following Tuesday night that, what are you doing? You can't go down there. That is so dangerous. You can end up dead. I'm like, 
I was fine. It was broad daylight. But, you know, when I think back on it, I was like, that was really pretty dumb, <laughs> you know, really enabling. Good grief. Did you find your suitcase? Um, I didn't, but the word got out that she was looking for it, and somehow someone brought it to her at the VOA. Hmm. So. Hmm. So they're a very tight knit community down there. They all know each other. They've been using together for years. Yep. Right. And supporting each other. Yep. So, so she's she's tried several treatment programs mm -hmm. over the years, mm -hmm. and it apparently has not worked for her. Right. Right. And methadone clinics and outpatient programs. And so, what have you had to <clears throat> accept as a mother? I've ha I had to learn, first off, when you're, I never realized how much I, I walked on eggshells all the time around here. My life was in chaos. I was addicted to that. I was addicted to her chaos, right, which is very common with sure, parents. Sure, um, We fret. We worry. We're walking on eggshells. We don't know what to do. It's Your life is in turmoil 24-7. So I really had to, first off, learn that about addiction. So at um, <clears throat> our family support group, there's a film, you know, Pleasure Unwoven, that we would watch. And I think we've all seen it like four or five times yeah. now. That was so enlightening to learn the biological reason behind addiction. For me, it was an aha moment. And then I had to also learn, this is all over time, right, that I deserve to live a life. I needed to move on with my life and live my life. Plus, I had another son at home, a younger son. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and that's another part of this addiction process, too, is siblings who are left at home with the parent or parents um, suffer from not being noticed. They're, they're not the center of attention at all. It's always the addict. It's the addict. Everyone's worried about the addict. No one's paying attention to anyone else. When you start to realize that as a parent, that's pretty messed up. You but start you think, thinking, oh my gosh, you know. Think about it, if, if, if you have siblings. So you're the bad apple, okay? And, and let's say other siblings, like your son, mm -hmm. is, is, is a real good kid. And they do well in school, they achieve great things, but mom and dad, or just mom, is paying all this attention to the bad apple because she's dealing with an addiction. So <clears throat> that's not fair. So yeah. you think about that. I mean, I can understand the thinking And there. we've had siblings in our group, yeah. our family support group. Um, my son came once, um, and it was it. it's enlightening to hear... They're so much healthier than we are. They have better boundaries. Um, they realize that mom or mom and dad or dad have gotten totally sucked in by the sibling, and it makes them angry by the addict, right? It makes them angry, and they feel resentful. And so it's not uncommon for the siblings to cut that addict sibling off. And I remember when I kept going to group, my son would say, Mom, I'm so glad you have that group. Just keep going. You know? So he knew that I was trying to learn to take care of myself, which I did. I mean, we ended up going on a trip together. We started doing things. 
I have learned how to live my life again. Do I love my addict child any less? Oh, heck no. I love her. She's my child. But I cannot control her addiction. We can't control it. And that's one of the hardest things, if you think about it, in, in, in our group, is it, because everybody's trying. You heard Abby say, well, I got her into Odyssey when I found out she was in addiction. Well, uh, and, and, and all these parents, which mm-hmm. is natural, are trying to help their kid, but their kid doesn't want help. And so it becomes a very frustrating thing to finally accept the fact that you didn't cause it, you can't cure it, and you can't control it. That's right. And, That's and, right. And so many of the parents who come into the group, you have to bang their heads against them. I mean, it's just you just got to keep saying that over and over and over. Family support group really teaches a lot if parents that come in are willing to stay. A lot of them, like myself, we all came into the group expecting to hear some type of miracle thing that we could, so we could fix our kids, right? There isn't one. So when you learn that it's about you, the parent, and what we need to do to be in recovery, that we need to recover from that enabling addictive behavior. You know, one of the phrases we use or one of the sayings we use say is, you know, we're loving our children to death, which is really true because every time a parent or a loved one They'll give the the addict money or start doing all these things for them to make them comfortable. When you make an addict comfortable, and why would they want to get clean? They're not going to get clean. So that's like, these are some hard lessons that we all had to learn, and it takes time. Unfortunately, some parents that come in, um, or family members or loved ones, spouses, they won't stay very long in our group. This Be- kind of all sounds like going into Odyssey. Yes. And get like being an addict and then finding that aha moment where you either change or you don't. Like you're saying, people come in and go. Yes. People come into treatment and just none of that makes sense to them. And it is not, that is not how their life is. And their addiction's different than everyone else's. And, they go, it's kind of wild to hear it sound exactly the same path. Yeah. That's, it's, it's true, Nicole. It's, it is just like that because we are addicted to our kids. I mean, as a mother, I can, I can still say I'm addicted. I love my kids. I would do anything for them, right? And most parents would do anything for their child or spouse or brothers. You know, we have all, we have siblings that come in. Um, but there is no easy answer. And if you think about what we do as parents is we model the behavior we want our child to um, learn and develop, right? So if you think it that think about it that way, it makes sense. If we model the behavior that we have healthy boundaries, we live our life, we live a healthy, happy life, um, and that there's no room in our lives for addiction, it we hope that that sinks in at some point. Interestingly enough, we do have some parents that come back and go, oh, my gosh, you know, months later, you guys were right. You guys were so right. We're back. What do we do? Yeah. But more times than not, 
we have them not show up. The ones we have there now, we're all long-termers. We're all, you know, permanent family members. And, and, of and that. the hard part is that a lot of the parents want to focus on their kid yeah. and their kid's addiction. And we say, no, 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 no. What we're trying to focus on, the whole point, is, to, is to, for you to lead a happy, normal life regardless of your kid's addiction. And that takes so long to learn. I remember being told that a gazillion times before I finally got it. It's like, well, wait a minute. I'm here because my daughter is an addict. I want to help her. I don't want her to die. I mean, we'd even have um, mock funerals in our, before you came along, we'd have mock funerals in our family support group meeting. But in reality... And Abby is, and, and it, the family group is, is basically a group therapy thing. It's not mm-hmm. me. It's the fact that all these people dealing with these issues can talk to each other about how they're handling it. And I've heard you many times, and it's very hard to say, is that you are prepared to get a phone call saying your daughter died from an overdose. We all are. Because we look at how many... Look at how many parents we've had in our group where that exact same thing right. happened, and it kills all of us. We just all of us break down and sob because these are family members that have been in our group. We know it's like we, even though we've never met their their child or their loved one, we feel like we know them. We really do. So when they pass away, it's the phone call. It's the notification we all dread. Because that could happen any time. This stuff with fentanyl out there right now is not that any one drug is worth, you know, <laughs> good. But honestly, this it's just getting. It feels like it's just getting tougher and tougher. Like, really, what else are they going to come up with? Well, and they will. You know, mm-hmm. something stronger and stronger. That's why people are. <laughs> You know, now you can sort of look at it because a lot of people come in saying they're they're just primarily doing fentanyl. Right. You know, and now you can sort of say, well, well, heroin was a lot better than fentanyl. And I mean, yeah, you know, it, it's it's just uh, it's it, the, it's just a it's a tough issue for a parent to deal with. I mean, you've you you've dealt with, you know, the physical situation of your child being born way too early. Uh, and and if you think about it. What it's it's the mother's instinct. I mean, I find I it, it's you want to take care of your kid, no matter what the issue is. Yeah, I was thinking of you saying that you didn't like hearing people say that what you were doing was wrong when all you're trying to do is help. And so we watch new moms come in or new parents come in, same expressions we had, same reaction because we're now telling them. You know, and it's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. Um, And really what we do in our family group is we love each other. We tell each other we love each other, that we're always there. We have a roster where we can all call each other, contact each other. And there are some people that need a lot of support. And even then, sometimes they fall out. But um, I would just, you know, if I could say anything about family support group, you know how great I think it is. Is that for parents out there, I mean, you're not alone. Uh, We're not, the parents in our group are just like everybody else out there. Every other great family. Everything, Mormon, non-Mormon, Catholic, Jewish. I mean, it's because it affects so many people. 
And, and once, and, and people do get offended initially when you say you're not helping them, that you're, that you're loving them to death, you're addicted to their addiction, those kinds of things, it's, it's, it's like painful at first for a parent. Well, I think if you have an addict child, it would be so hard to be like, I'm trying to help them and you're telling me I'm addicted to something yeah, right. mm-hmm. and all I'm doing is trying to fix this, but you, you are. You know, but if you think about it, so one of the things that helps us, especially older parents like myself, there, there are several of us in the group. Um, you know, we, when we look back on our own childhood, our parents weren't rescuing us. You know, we were kind of on our own. Even though our parents loved us and we came from good homes, we were expected to be responsible and follow rules. And, you know, we were out there on our own. Our parents weren't scooping us up and rescuing us at every turn. Unfortunately, my generation and generations after me, um, a lot of people think that that's part of parenting. And I almost think, I always look at it like a pendulum. Like, my parents were really strict, right? So they were way over here. And I mean, we're talking about even how we answered the phone, the chores we had to do. Mr. and Mrs. for neighbors and stuff like that. Yes, yes, totally different. When we had kids, we didn't want to be like that, so we went this way. I really, that's how I visualize that. (laughs) We swung that pendulum the opposite direction to the point where we were doing everything for our kids. And you still see parents doing that today. Buying them this, buying them that, taking care of this, doing this. So if a child never learns how to take care of themselves or how to face difficulties in life and how to learn those coping mechanisms, what do you think is going to happen? We had uh, one of the concerns that people have, like when we talk about throwing people out of the house, right, and which you exited your daughter, Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. Uh, and, and it's a very difficult thing. And they're concerned, like during the hottest days of summer, or the coldest days of winter, that they're going to survive. And we had one mom who on Super Bowl Sunday, last, oh, yeah. last Super Bowl, it snowed like hell. And her alcoholic son called up and said, Mom, I, it, it's cold outside. There's lots of snow. I need to stay in a motel tonight. And this person lives way outside of Salt Lake City and actually on Super Bowl Sunday didn't want to give him her credit card, but drove all the way into Salt Lake City to pay for a night at Motel 6. Mm -hmm. That is, you know. So I've done that, too. I'm sure she sees that as love. Yes, because we do think it's love. So at the beginning of all this, I was doing the same thing. Um, And then there were times during the cold, snowy nights I would meet her at Dee's restaurant downtown, bring her some boots, and, oh, I have some extra books at the house. Would you like them? I mean, I was doing ridiculous things. I mean, totally ridiculous. Her taking books into that den of iniquity down there on the corner that used to be there. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I was, I under, when parents talk about the things they do for their addict child, adult child, I understand it. I went through that. I got scolded so many darn times from the family group. And I thought, okay, I don't know how I'm going to learn this because I really, I don't know how I'm going to unlearn being loving. And then what I had to do is learn that 
the loving way is to step away. I needed to step away and love them. We sit, call it love of them from a distance, you know, and then to be, you know, cautiously optimistic when they make progress because it's a roller coaster. You know, they're doing really well. They've gone to treatment. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like this. So what family support group teaches us to do is even though life is still going to be a roller coaster, right? You want it to be a little bit smoother, you know? You want to be able to roll with things that happen. I mean, stuff happens in life, right? We are out of time. Okay. We're not. So thank you, Abby, for sharing a mother's point of view. Uh, and I hope it's very enlightening to a whole bunch of people. Me too. And thank you for being so helpful to our family support group. Well, thank you for having me, Randall. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. it. And thank you for being here, Nicole. Thanks, Nicole. And, and thank you. I hope you got something out of this if you have a loved one dealing with addiction. So thanks for watching or listening to another edition of Odyssey House Journals.